So how many of you have been talking about relationships in your relationships? Yeah, I hope you've been chatting. The hope and the goal for this, uh, for this series is that much more conversation would happen outside of this room than what happens in this room. Uh, because, and we're going to say it probably every single time, we can't talk, there isn't enough time, there isn't enough space uh, for us to talk about all the things that we could talk about and all the different nuanced ways that uh, we engage in relationships. And so... Um, and so we want the relation, we want the conversation about relationships to continue from outside of this place. Um, yeah. So please keep talking. Keep talking about how we do relationships. It's been good too because like I have just been talking with my friends about relationships. And so I've been chatting too. It's been good. Um, oh, one exciting thing that I do want to tell you is, um, so next week is our last week on relationships, and we have our conclusion being brought by the one and the only, Jace Levine. How awesome is that? That's going to be so good. So, Jace, just to let you know, all the questions that we didn't really know how to answer, they're yours. Your you got to finish it off for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, I'm going to get quite real and just take hey, off my shoes. Because, okay, okay, okay. Okay. Hello. These are, uh, you know what? Are those I, Christmas socks? <laughs> they are Christmas socks. They're, <laughs> <laughs> they're, wow. They're gingerbread men. Gingerbread man and yeah. lollipops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to. Okay, so last week, Gavin, um, if you were here, what we what we did is we went through uh, real. We went through the word real. And uh, can anybody, like just off the top of your head, can you remember what real stood for? Shout it out. Romance. Expectations. Accountability and... The little things. That's right. That's Who right. said love? Brandon, was that love? you? Oh. <laughs> nope. Um, yeah, so this week, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to go through REA. Oh, there's a baby. There's a baby here? Yeah. Where? Isabella's niece. Oh, Look no at way. the precious... Little thing. No one's going to pay attention now. We lost him. Uh, we lost it. It's all right. Uh, That's awesome. Good thing I'm cute, too. <laughs> like, probably <laughs> him like, okay, Kim. Yeah, you're cute. Uh, <laughs> you know what's cute about babies and kids, though? So everybody go like this. Okay, put your hand up. Your elbow is basically to the top of your head. Kids and babies, they put their hands up, their hands are like this high. That's what it is. It's so disproportioned, it's so cute. It's amazing. And they just smell. They smell great and oh. That changes though. That does. Real quick. Yeah, it's true. true. (laughs) My boys do not smell cute anymore at all. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 
Okay, yeah, okay. So let's just hop right in and uh, start talking about some real relationships. And I want to start off with the word real. Whoa, shocker, shocker. Yeah, so I want to just talk about uh, being real. And so uh, what I've chosen to do is I'm taking um, uh, bits from Ephesians 4. And just using Ephesians 4 as a bit of a, as a bit of a guide, uh, for our conversation for tonight. So, in Ephesians 4, chapter 2, it says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Okay, so the concept of humility, one of, like, a definition of humility is just to be realistic about yourself. Like, that's what humility is, is to know, know your strengths and know your weaknesses, but just be real with yourself. Um, and so this is a great way for us to be, like, to live like humble people. But I think this is a really great way for us to live humble lives, is to just be real with what we're working with. What life is, to be realistic, and to know what actually is our life. Um, and yeah, to know what the reality is. And I know that, like, this seems, like, really simple, but what we do sometimes is we um, we get ahead of reality, <laughs> or we create a brand new reality in our minds, right? So, like, imagine, for instance, that there's somebody who has caught your eye in Pentateuch, or there's somebody who just... Like a Bible character or a person in class? <laughs> Good question. Good que- yeah, that's a valid question. Yeah. Like, not a Bible character, okay. but like a real-life person. And they're like, their note-taking skills are incredible, and they are just, that's just amazing. Or like they worship with everything and they just, you know, you just, and so what, what happens is sometimes we can create a brand new reality for ourselves. And instead of just, you know, sitting in the reality of life that that is somebody who you don't even know their last name yet, what we That's do real. is sometimes we're creating centerpieces and um, invitations to our wedding or, you know, or we're, <laughs> we're trying to figure out how their, their calling and my calling is going to somehow jive and we can partner in ministry that together. That never happens. No, I know. Never. <laughs> You're laughing because you've done it. Yeah. That's why. You're la- <laughs> so we create an alternate reality in our minds all mm-hmm. the time. And and so we do this, and that sort of veers into what Gavin was talking about relationships. But then we also do it to the to the on the flip side, and we create alternate realities for ourselves all the time, and we create conflict that's not there either. Oh, yeah. And what happens is we create and we assume. We assume that things are happening. We assume that because somebody did something, that means that they're angry at us. Or because they didn't do something with, with us that somehow we've ticked them off. Or because they didn't invite us to be a part of something, therefore I'm not considered more, I'm not considered important in their life. And we create an entirely new reality in our lives when we have no idea if that's actually true. 
And so one of the things that we can do, one of the gifts that we can give ourselves and one of the gifts that we can give the people in our lives is the gift of just being real with what is. Just just come back to reality. Just come back. Come back to reality. It's great time over here. And and it's things are much clearer sometimes in reality. So that's my first one. Our R is just let's get real. We can do that in relationships, right? Create these like imaginary realities. We can also do that to ourselves. Oh, yeah, right? completely. We create these realities that we're not good enough when really we do have something to give. Yep. Right? Yeah. So we oftentimes create these realities with yeah. ourselves. So let's talk about getting real. Yeah. Last week we started off, we jumped right into the concept of romance. Yep. So let's go to the total opposite side. Sure. Right now. Okay, so how, this is one of the questions, how do we establish a culture that sees singleness as normal and good rather than something that you pity? Sure, that's a great question. Great question, yeah. Well, yeah, great question. That hit home for some people today. Uh, Okay, so first off, it is normal. Yes. It, yeah. it, it is normal. There's a lot of people in the world who aren't coupled. There's just a lot. All right. Like it, the number keeps increasing. The number of, um, of people who can, who are getting married later on in life or getting married into their thirties or, or in their forties, like that's increasing. So it's actually really, really normal. So to, to establish a culture where it is normal, like we just need to, we're just behind the curve on this one. Mm. And so we just have to come actually realize that this is normal. Um, and then secondly, that, that idea of that word pity. So like single says, you don't need to pity anybody first, mm-hmm. anybody that needs, that is single. And this is what I would say. If you're single, don't pity yourself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like that's good, the alternate reality. Good night, nurse. Like that's crazy town. That like just you, you know how to flip a culture about singleness and whether it's normal. Live your life, live it full, and that'll flip a culture. Yes. So just like carpe diem. <laughs> Come on. Like just. Live, live your life. Most of them don't know what that means. Yeah, it means, it means seize the day. Not true. I get on the daily. We have it up outside our office and people ask, what does that word mean up there? Yeah. All the time. It's true. Let's get real. It happens all the time. (laughs) Let's get real. Yeah. (laughs) The reality is it happens a lot. Uh, but yeah, like just live, live life and live it full and love it. Yeah. Live a life that you love and nobody's going to pity you. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Okay. Uh, going on in this um, singleness question, this one yeah. here, this one here, Kim, would you please, <laughs> please ask with all honesty, how do you know if you are called to a life of singleness or a season of singleness? Yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you my real answer to this? <gasps> it's a dry heave. That's my real answer to th- <laughs> That's my real answer to that question. Um, <laughs> the jitters that were in her body yeah. as we had like discussed this earlier. <laughs> like, th- I think this is one of the most 
Um, like the, one of the biggest questions that it, that comes my way every once in a while that like just gets my gears going and makes me like, <laughs> yeah, it just gets me going. And the reason why, um, why I hate this question is, <laughs> yeah, that's so we're getting real. The reason why I hate this question is often it's posed by people who are not single or like the phrase, it's, it's for a season or your cult to singleness. Like it's so, it's, it's so, um, oh, what's the word? Um, but here's the kicker. What we do is we put the, we make that word called, are we called to a life of singleness or a season of singleness? We make it a capital C. As if it is like our, our lifelong calling in life that I am called to be single. Well, that's not the case. That's not what it, it's not capital C. Are you single right now? Okay. Well then, yeah, you're called to be single right now. Are you married right now? Yeah. Okay. So you're married. So you're called to be married right now. Your calling and what that means in scripture has, it is not a capital C. Mm-hmm. It's just if you're there, be there. Mm-hmm. If you're not, you're not. Actually, let me just flip open for just a sec. Um, okay, so the message, I know we would never use this <laughs> to preach from, but just for some, some other, you know, like perspective here, this is what it says in the first Corinthians, is it thir- Se- seven, seven. seven, yeah, and this is verse 17. So it says, and don't be wishing that you were in some place else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. That's Live. Great. What is it? That's great. Yeah. Live and obey. What is it? And, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> live and, and love and believe right there. God, not your marital status, defines your life. Yes. Okay? So yeah. just just live your life. That's what you're called to do. You live your life. Come on, Eugene. And how Eugene. that shapes out. Eugene. Yeah. Throwing it down. So dry heave. It's great. <laughs> that is First Corinthians 7, by the way. Okay, 15. There we go. Okay, so um, then with all that saying, yeah. okay, how do, you, how do you stay single and loving it when everyone else is dating and loving it? Okay, great question. And I think that on it, the fair thing is, is sometimes you don't love it all the time. Um, mm. you, sometimes it just doesn't. And that's okay. Um, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And then there are days where it's awesome. And that's most of the time, at least in my life, that's most of the time. I, I love my life. And, and what's amazing is, um, like my friends, if they're dating or if your friends, if they're dating, that really has nothing to do with your personhood, right? Like it doesn't devalue who you are and your value. So, Great. Celebrate that somebody else is dating. That's so wonderful. I hope that, I hope that they're so happy. I hope so. And you know what? I hope so much that you're happy if you're single. Yes. Is, right? Yeah. Okay. C- can I just jump in and say this? Yeah. For those who are single and are, have this idea that being with someone or being married, then you will always be happy. That is an alternate reality. It's not true. Like I love Rebecca, but there are days where I have to choose to love Rebecca. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
And there are many days that she has to choose to love me. Okay, many days. So it's an alternate reality if we think that if we're with someone, we then will consistently be happy. Yeah. Okay, another question here. Yeah. This is a good one. Do you feel like you missed a person God had for you? Yeah, great question. And the answer is no. Mm. Um, great answer. Yeah. If if I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, no. And, and like, then that doesn't even mean that I've like not liked somebody or not dated somebody. Like I've liked people. And then I worked it out that I didn't like them anymore. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, that's okay. I worked yeah. it out. I yeah. worked it out. So, no, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't miss, I haven't missed, I haven't missed a person yet. And, and I think that goes back to what we were saying, like, that there the isn't one. that. There isn't the, the one. one. Yeah. So then, like, it's not like... <laughs> It's not like I'm drifting out into in the ocean. Oh shoot! I've 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 like oh dear! I've lost my port, and now I'm just going to drift here yeah. in the ocean. Well, at least I can serve Jesus, right? Like, yeah. Because sometimes we do that when we're single. Well, you can serve Jesus better. Yeah. Well, no, I haven't missed anybody, and I'm and I'm serving Jesus, and it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it debunks that concept of the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Okay, well, you're talking about, you know, where you had liked someone, but then not liked the person afterwards. And, you know, there, there's a lot about guarding your heart in that. And there's a couple of questions regarding guarding our hearts. So how do we guard our hearts in situations? Yeah. Like um, first off, I would say you're like, we're responsible for our hearts. Okay, great. I, can I, sorry, can I jump yeah, in and tag on this question yeah. too? It's a bit of a twofold. Yeah. How do we guard our hearts? But how can we guard our brother's and sister's heart? Yeah. You, great should question. We, can we on that? Yeah. So like we, we are responsible for guarding our heart mm-hmm. and we're responsible for treating people like Jesus would have us treat people. Mm-hmm. Right. And so while like I'm not on guard. I'm not on guard necessarily for your heart. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to treat you right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. My, like my res- the responsibility of guarding our responsibility is to guard our own heart, but we wouldn't put anybody in a place where they would, where we would have to make them work for it. Right. Does that make sense? Where we wouldn't challenge somebody or, or it behave behave in a way that we would make somebody work hard to guard their heart. So we're respecting the person. Um, and, uh, and I think we can do that by like, we're active components. Like we're active people. We can take an active role in what we receive. So like if somebody's coming at us with like, I don't know, like somebody's like, flirting or whatever. And we're like, I don't, ooh, I don't want to, I don't want that. <laughs> like I, I'm guarding my heart, right? Like if that's where we're at, you, like, here's the thing. Like if somebody throws a ball at you, you can catch it or you can't catch it. Like you don't have to catch it. Like you just decide, Oh, I'm not, I'm not catching that ball. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> no, no. 
I am not catching that ball. Right? Like, that's it. That's how we can, that's one part, that's how we can guard our heart is just be responsible and realize I'm choosing what is coming into my life. So I'm saying no. Yeah. Yeah. And then when we guard our heart, we, again, we choose what comes into our life. So we bring in the word. Right. And if we are, if our, if God's word is our daily bread, then it is building us up, right? It's protecting our heart. And we, then we have a better sense of who we are in Christ. Therefore, we have a better sense of how we should be treated. Therefore, we won't allow people to treat our hearts in a way that we have to be uber protective. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah. I like that. No, it's not our responsibility to guard each other's hearts, but like your scripture verse that you have. That's what we're to do. We're, yeah. we're to live in a way to not put someone on guard. Yeah. It's not our responsibility yeah. to guard them. Love yeah. that. Okay, here's a specific question yeah. in regarding um, liking someone or having a crush on someone. How do you deal with having a crush on someone uh, in a leadership position mm-hmm. over me? It's yeah. a great question. It, honestly, this is a fabulous question. Oh, it's such a great question. Clearly, it has hit a mark. Many of you have fallen in love with your leaders, I guess. Apparently. (laughs) Look at that. Bryce even broke his clapper over that one. That's incredible. (laughs) Here's the thing. Why this is such a great question is because the most attractive thing about a person is if they love Jesus and they love others. That is the most attractive thing about a person. And who does that in church are often leaders. They love Jesus and they love others. So it's quite easy to see somebody who's in leadership, who's loving the Lord deeply, and to have a crush. It's really easy. So then the crush isn't the issue It's like, you got to work it out, right? You got to decide, like, what am I going to do with these feelings? Because here's a heads up. We don't have to engage every single feeling that we feel. Just because we have a crush on somebody doesn't mean we have to, like, go out and decide that they're going to be somebody that we, you know, need to date. So we do need to figure out what we're going to do. Like, sure, I got a crush on that person. They love Jesus. They lead well. And they treat me nice. Really, is there anything else that we can ask for? Somebody love Jesus, somebody loves people, and somebody treats me nice? Yeah. I would like that. Okay. <laughs> so, if that's, if that's your leader, well then, yeah, you could have a crush. But the point is for you to work through, do I, do I need to do anything with this crush? And sometimes you just need to slow down. And figure out what we need to do with these feelings. That's it. Just slow down. And then, like, if you really don't know what to do with those feelings, find a trusted person. Mm-hmm. Where you can be like, okay, I got this crush. This, like, I've got this crush. This person is awesome. And I think that they're fabulous. What do I do with this? And honestly, sometimes you just need to sit on it. Sometimes you just need to. And then, um, and then I think often you just need to give it time. Let the relationship, like let what you have with that person, let, let it sort of, it can often work out in the wash. And if, and if things pro, like if even, okay, let, let's be here. Okay. Let's think summit for a second. Like if, if you're, 
what's that? Like, oh, so like if you're, if we're thinking about, we, there's a crush that somebody that we have that's like in our sphere, like a leadership that's in sort of like our sphere of like peers, well then that's a possibility. (laughs) So you just got to wait it out. See if the relationship is there, but wait it out. Give it time. Time works things out. That's great. Uh, so how about the flip side though? Yeah. So I would say... How do you deal with having a crush on someone I am in a leadership position over? Great. Again, that's a great question. Okay, so let's think first here at Summit. So if you're here, if you're in leadership, but you're in leadership with your peers. So I think, again, it's so... The most th- most attractive thing is somebody who loves Jesus, loves others, and, it's, and is nice to you. So then... F- like sit with your, with your crush for like, not your crush. Don't sit with them, (laughs) but like sit with your feelings for a bit and work it out. Right. Like, is this just a crush? Are they just, do I just like them? Like, cause we can actually be attracted to somebody and decide that we're going to be friends and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like you gotta, and, but, but if you like them, they like you and you're being nice to each other and you both love Jesus. Why not? Um, but let's move outside of this space. If you're a leader and you have a, you're attracted to somebody who is in, let's say, if you're working a church and you're attracted to uh, one of the people that are your parishioners or somebody who attends your church, the best thing for you to do is to talk to your leader, mm-hmm. to bring in the people that you work with and say, this is how I'm feeling. Now, this is might be awkward, but it's better to have that conversation with your leader and let them in. And work through it with your leader to talk about like, is like, because they might just say that's inappropriate. Okay. So if it's inappropriate, move on. That's it. So you move on if it's inappropriate. Uh, if it's a not, like, let's say you're like, if it's a young adult and you're a young adult and whatever, and that's not, but the, but the question should be asked to your leader is, is this inappropriate? And if your leader's like, inappropriate, move on. If they say it's not inappropriate, okay. Well, test out the waters, right? That's great. I like how you talked about that with those crushes and feelings that we don't have to, those don't have to control us, that we can control those feelings. I think it's great. Cause like, let's be honest, who had a crush on their camp speaker when they were a teenager and there was a camp speaker there? Yes. Like, it happens. Yes. Like I was a youth pastor for 10 years. The amount of like conversations I had to have with my students yeah. afterwards to be like, sorry, they're married or they're like 20 years older than you and have to work yeah. through these with the teenagers about all of a sudden this conference yeah. speaker. It happens. And, and here's the thing. When I was youth in, pastors, get ready. Yeah. When I was in seminary, one of my teachers in seminary said, get ready because people in our church are going to fall in love with you. And it's not talking about just youth girls or youth boys. There's an attract, like people, when the Holy Spirit is in us, that's a, tra- it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. So you don't have to make it weird, but you do need to shut things down sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Cool. Okay. So let's move on to E. And our E is for effort. Effort. Okay. So Ephesians 4.3 says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. 
And Ephesians 4.16 says, For him, the whole, uh, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It's work. Okay. So I think we know this, but relationships take a lot of effort. Take a lot of effort. And if they're super easy, that probably means that it's not super deep. So, uh, yeah, snaps. So, um, so yeah, unity and support, it takes work and that work is really messy. It's really messy. We have to be, we have to let relationships be work and we have to let them be messy. They have, they, cause they are. And the reason why they're messy is because we're bringing your blind spot and my blind spot and we're bringing them together and our blind spots are different. And you're bringing my imperfections and your imperfections and we're bringing them together. And you're bringing my assumptions and your assumptions and we're bringing them together. And essentially what we're doing when we have a relationship is we're doing cross-cultural communication. That's what we're doing. It's cross-cultural communication. Well, Megan's got really excited there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm talking a different language and you're talking a different language, but we're both speaking English. But we speak different languages all the time. And so it takes great effort and great work for us to actually do um, the um, the curious work of being in a relationship. It requires us to be curious of another person to wonder about them, to ask questions, to roll up our sleeves, and to get messy. And it's worth it. Relationships are hard work, they're messy, and they're worth it. And one of the most wonderful things that we can do is we can, like, get into the relationship, roll up our metaphorical sleeves, and tell that person with our actions, I, you are worth getting messy together. You're worth it. Not not like, not weird, but you're worth it. Because it's going to get messy, and it's going to be hard, and it's worth it. That person is worth the effort. That's that. Okay, so that's great. They're worth the effort. So a good yeah. friend, a good friend is asking this, yeah. and I think this is from a very good friend. So how do you support your friends who are going through challenging seasons so they get the effort yeah. needed? going through challenging seasons without draining yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. Because that goes back to boundaries, right? Um, And like, again, this sounds super, this might sound over spiritual, but you're not their savior. That's Jesus's job. Okay, so he's he's done that. He will continue to be that for that person. You're not their savior and you don't have to be. So you can get off that cross. Um, And then, Secondly, like you need to know, like this is, this is, um, like a gambling little phrase, like know your limit and play within it. That works with pretty much everything in life. (laughs) So when it comes to care, know your limit and play within it and you'll be a really good supportive friend. If we're outside of the realm of our capability as friends, then we're not helpful anymore. So we have to know what we can, what we can actually do. Also, you're not their one and only friend. So spread the wealth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's worth it for you. It's also worth it for the other people that are in their lives. So we share the wealth and we share the beauty of journeying with a person when it's hard work, right? 
So you're not the one and only. I think too that the person who feels like they're trying to help their friend yeah. who may seem draining, I think often need to learn too that they're not they're not the fixer, and their yeah. friends aren't just a project to be fixed. Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. So it's not just the one person who's the draining person. I think we need to check ourselves too that we're not before here to we try wreck to f- ourselves. Yeah, check That's ourselves right. before we wreck ourselves. <laughs> okay, so um, and not just regarding dating relationships, just in friendships in general. Like, what would your advice be for someone dealing with emotional manipulation? Yeah, that's a great question. That's a great question. Okay, so it, but it happens, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I have a couple thoughts. Uh, like essentially what that is, emotional manipulation, is it's the attempt to find, it's the, it's the struggle for power, right? Like, so we talked about at the very beginning that there's this, like, that often where, where we mess up in our understanding of power is there's some sort of power differential. Well, it's, it's trying to jockey is what manipulate, working in my new lips. Um, what, Emotional manipulation is jockeying for power. Now, again, what I mentioned before about like, you can catch a ball or you can decide not to, right? Like you are, you are a very active, responsible person. And so if somebody is uh, being manipulative, you can just say, no, thank you. <laughs> that's you. like, that's it. It's not even the pronunciation of the O, it's just no, thank no, you. No, thank you. <laughs> Right. And apostrophe. Thank you. Right. Like with our, we can say that, and that might need to be said like point blank, but we can say that with our behavior, right? Like we can say, we can, we can say with our behavior, we can say with our words that that kind of behavior, I'm not going to receive. I'm not receiving that. I'm not playing this game with you. That doesn't mean that we ditch them as friends. But it does mean that we, like, decide what we're going to catch and if we're going to play that game or not. So that's great, Kim. And in regards to friendship, you were talking about boundaries, essentially. Mm-hmm. There's also specifically one, too, talking about how do we clearly establish emotional boundaries between the opposite gender. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, quite frankly, I don't, I don't know if I've ever had a problem. Like, I think we make an issue sometimes between our emotional boundaries between, like, guys and girls. Um, again, I feel like, sorry, this is my one-note Nancy here. You get to decide what comes in your life. And you get to decide what you put out there. So, if you feel like a relationship is, like, off-kilter, then... Don't receive the things that are making it off kilter. Um, and, okay, can you, I just want to make sure that I get it right. Can you ask yep. that question one more time? So how do you clearly establish emotional boundaries between opposite gender? Yeah. Yeah, you're so active in this. And honestly, like, if you're really, if you're, like, really struggling, um, just pretend that you're there, your sibling. It's really simple. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> Like, if you're talking friends, like, I just, I, I would behave differently with Glenn and DJ than I would with somebody that I'm dating. So if I'm, if it's trying to figure out how I hang out with a guy as a friend, well, then I'm just going to treat them like they're my brother. Right. Uh, And, and vice versa. 
And then if it's dating, if you're dating, again, you like check in with yourself. Like you are responsible for you. So know what you want to go in and know what you want to go out. And you're responsible for that. I think that's a very valid point because so often we think, okay, opposite gender, we got to protect ourselves, have these boundaries. But, but I think ultimately we also just need to know ourselves. Yep. And I think that's a great way of understanding what our boundaries should be is by knowing ourselves, yep. our, our weaknesses, our blind spots and whatnot. Yep. Okay, so can you, Kim, this next one says here, can you talk about the balance between not lowering your standards for mm-hmm. a person, but also giving grace, recognizing that nobody is perfect, and even the one you love the most has flaws? Sure. That's a loaded question. Yeah. That's like three questions yeah, in one. Yeah, it is. So I think the important question when we're thinking about standards is are they, I think that has that connection with expectations like we were talking about last week. So are our expectations actually realistic? Is that person, are they actually able to attain what you're looking for? So either you need to move along or you need to figure out are your standards, are are they appropriate, right? Like if... Like, can, can that person actually, can any person actually be, uh, you know, Prince Charming? Well, no. So change your standards. Um, so, so they have to be realistic. Um, and then secondly, if those standards are not, how do you deal with them not being lowered? But then what is it? Uh, recognize that nobody's perfect. Yeah. And that everybody has flaws. Yeah. Giving so I, grace. Yeah. So I think like we have to recognize that like just as much as I'm not perfect and like just as much as I'm not perfect and I'm on a journey and I'm working through like we all have our stuff that we're working on to mature and be the better person, the better follower of Jesus that we can be. We have to live that out for that person too and believe that for that person too. That they, in fact, are imperfect, yes. But if we see that there's, like, if they're, like, really active in their maturity and growth with Jesus and they're growing, like, if they haven't, you know, when you first meet them, they don't have that standard, but they're, like, growing and wanting to be more and more like Jesus, well, then that's where grace comes in, right? Mm-hmm. We are not in, we're not in, we're not perfect people, um, and we need to make room for growth, does that answer that question? Yeah, I think too, we, we need to understand that this also is messy. It's yeah. real, right? And I hear so often from students who all of a sudden have interest in one another. They like each other and they think this person is amazing and beautiful and they want to date this person. And they say, okay, I know they're not perfect, but they're perfect for me. You heard Ooh. that before? Ever said that one before? Ooh. Right? I mean, there's nothing this person could ever do that would ever wrong, be wrong or that I would dislike. And then a couple of Just weeks... Just wait until they fart in front yeah, of you, Yeah, right? seriously. Like... And then a couple of weeks later, it's sort of like, ah, we're starting to realize that we do have flaws and there's this little thing about them that I don't like. And ultimately, that's just the ebb and flow of friendships and relationships. We Everybody has flaws. We just don't know them when we first meet them. And so eventually we get to the point where we do meet them. So it's, it's the messiness. There isn't like a solid answer, uh, but you need to know yourself and your standards, if they're proper standards or not, healthy ones or not. Uh, and then with full of love and full yeah. of grace, yeah. we, 
And that's the effort that. of relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, a specific one here about children. Yeah. Uh, that I'd love for you to mention I as love we children. transition to your next point. Mm-hmm. It says, how do you model positive self-talk and body image to children or young people that you lead? Yeah. What a great question. It is a great question. Um, I, I think what takes effort is um, for us not to not to always lean into like... <clears throat> First, start with you. How do you behave and how do you look at yourself? And how do you understand your body image? Kids are brilliant. They can read adults like books. So for it, it, it doesn't even start with what you tell children. It starts with what you show children. And so the, like the first part is you got to figure out your own self-image stuff. So first do some of that talk in the mirror and figure out how, how you feel about your body and self-image and how you should uh, understand who you are as a child of God and what makes you a valued person, not by your body image, but who you are as a child of God. That needs to get hammered in first. And we need to figure out who we are. Then we can actually say with, with some... Like, because we've done that work, we can speak to children about body image. We can speak to them about value. And hopefully, and the effort, I think, also where that lies is where we validate kids and validate people not on their body image. That means that we don't have to avoid body image altogether, but it means that that's not our only thing that we validate children and anybody quite frankly right like I would love it um you know like one of how wonderful would it be if we could actually tell children you know what you did in sticking up for your friend you are such a brave you're such a brave kid you're so brave right like wouldn't you want to pump up a kid and tell them that they are brave, that they're strong, that their opinions are good, that they because they love Jesus, they are important? Like that's the stuff that we can tell children because if we can get what actually matters, who they are in Jesus, then the body image stuff falls in line. Right? Cuz the same is true for you and me. When we fully understand and when we come to and we can come to grips with who we are as followers of Jesus and as sons and daughters of God, then what we look like pales in comparison. It doesn't matter, right? Sorry, hit a button. Um, so I think that's where it starts. I think it, it, it literally starts with how we see ourselves and that we can um, encourage them with with things other than their body. But that doesn't mean that we can say, hey, you look fabulous. You know, you're handsome. Aren't you beautiful? Because kids need to hear that too. But they need to hear some well-rounded, holistic affirmation. And that's not just kids. You mentioned that. That's all of us. All of us. That's every single one of us. Yeah. And uh, can I encourage us here, and this works for this letter E effort, I think in, in all true sincerity, 
we want to encourage people. We want to tell somebody that we like this about them or love this about them. But we usually go to clothes or outer appearance or aesthetics or whatnot. I think if we truly did put some effort into how we compliment and encourage people, I think we'd get to more of that character stuff than just image stuff in both adults and yeah, kids. So totally. let's let's put that effort in and we'll find a great benefit from it. Oh, yeah. Huge on to your next point, Kim. Okay, so then A for authentic. Don't we love that word? <laughs> yes. Yes, we love being authentic. Absolutely. Okay, so um, I'm going with Ephesians 4.15. It says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. So, um, speaking truth in love. This is my, this is the concept of authenticity that I'd like to hammer home. See, the concept of, tr- see, truth without love can get harsh, right? It can be kind of like, ooh, like, you just like cut me there. Um, it can be quite, quite harsh. And love without truth can get to a point of like, it's just sweet nothings. But when we, when we mix speaking truth in love, It's this beautiful pairing that we actually can speak honestly and respectfully. So speaking truth in love, we don't avoid things, but we, we speak candidly. We speak honestly about things. Um, and we, we have a tendency to, to do this. I think as Christians, we just want to be really nice. Right. And in our, in our attempt to be nice, we lose an authenticity when we speak to each other. Um, and so we need to learn about that concept of speaking truth in love. It's this proactivity again. What often I, when we think of authenticity, I think we almost like a picture of like, um, I lay my things out here for you to see. Like I'm authentic for an onlooker. Um, but, the concept that I'd like to get across here for authentic is I'm, I'm proactively speaking truth and love. I'm choosing to like be genuine with my words and I'm going to pair those things together with truth and love. Therefore, I can be authentic. I'm not like mousing around. Or I'm not like beating around the bush or I'm not saying one thing and meaning the other. I can be authentic by speaking truth and love. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts that we can give somebody is to actually say what we mean to say with love. And that is, that's authenticity. It's not just, you can look at, you know, me and I'm, I'm, I'm an open book. No, let's speak truth and love. So that's that. Speaking truth in love. Being honest, being authentic. So here's some real authentic questions. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, and so we're going to, I'm going to say this question specifically. This is from an anonymous person, so I don't know who this is. Uh, And I don't want you just to hear this question. I want you to hear why this question was asked, okay? The emotion behind this. Okay, you ready for it? It seems that guys can't have girls as friends. When a girl says she just wants to be friends, she is saying, get lost or not going to happen. I will treat you like my brother or not a chance. How come we never hang out or talk to her anymore if we just are friends? How come girls don't say that what they're trying to say? I can't read minds. It's a lot easier with guys. Just say how it is. If you don't like sushi, 
Just say it. No, like, mean it. Don't lie to make friends. Do you hear the pain behind that question? And so being authentic and just saying what you mean to say. Uh, there's another question on the a flip side, right? Uh, we're assuming that a female is asking this. What is a guy's expectation when pursuing a girl in Bible college? So these these expectations, these mixed signals, can you speak to this? Sure. So thanks to the person who yes. wrote that question. Yep. And to that person, what I, I would like to say, because I just pulled the brother card, um, I am, I'm best friends with my brother. Um, so that really means to me, when I say treat somebody like a brother, that truly means deep friendship to me. Mm-hmm. So if that helps whoever wrote that, if that helps you a little bit, please know that that's not uh, like a cheap girl answer. Treat, treat him like a brother. Okay. Um, yeah. So speaking truth in love. And I think this goes, and what I hear, so I love this, this question that's coming from this guy, but I also hear the same tone in this one from the girl. Like what are, what are guys wanting? Right. There's this sense of like, just say it already. Just be clear. Right? Like, don't you find that you're, like, you're playing detective and you're just trying to figure out, like, where do we even stand? Like, where do, where do I slot you in my life? Cause I don't know. You're giving me mixed messages. And we do that as Christians because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So we're being nice. Right? We avoid the question or we, we avoid the person or we, again, we send signals that say, yes, I'm interested. And then you're like, and then we send signals that says, no, I don't want to be seen with you ever again. Right? Like we're sending mixed signals. And in part, I would say this, there's a caveat. Sometimes we don't know what we feel and we're still trying to figure it out ourselves. And so that poor person on the other side has to deal with us. Right? So be kind to each other when you're trying to figure out your feelings. Secondly, speak truth in love, right? Like if it's just a friend, if you're just being friends, then then just say it. Like if you're worried about, but what if I hurt their feelings? Well, obviously the other option isn't helping, right? So like we need to speak truth in love. So... We're just friends and, but let's go get Slurpees, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I think the hurt word, that hurt word is a very good one because you can hear hurt in this conversation, right? Yeah. That we're afraid of hurting the person. And so we mouse around or whatever. I don't know the term you used. Um, but ultimately the result is when we're beating around the bush, we are actually hurting the person more. Yeah rather than speaking the truth in love. Yeah. And there may be a, a quick sharpness yeah. to it, yeah. but actually there's healing that, that follows yeah. that, right? Yeah. So like that's, it's gutsy. Yeah. It's gutsy to actually say like, this is, this is what is, this is what's up. Be real. Um, but we need to, we need to be real, like land in reality, speak truth in love, mm-hmm. right? 
Okay, so here's another authentic question. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're, they're being quite open on this one, and I appreciate it. Uh, it says, I'm clean of pornography for a little under three months, but masturbation is still a huge struggle. How can I overcome that when it all starts in my mind, the temptations, the fantasies, the desires? How do I overcome all of that? Another one is, is how do you or when do you or should you tell your significant other, boyfriend or girlfriend, that you struggle with pornography or masturbation? Great question. First off... Way to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Way to go. Three yeah. months? Yes, that's right. Way to yeah, go. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Way to go. That is hard work. That's hard work. And way to go. Way to go. Secondly, Jace is going to answer all those questions next week. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but I am somewhat going to not answer the question because it, this is so nuanced, right? This is, there's so much to this question that we don't really have the time for it. But I don't even think that this question can be prop, can give it, can be given the proper do that it's needed, right? Like I, like there's, I'm so, I feel so honored that this person would text that Mm -hmm. question in. Mm -hmm. And to be quite frank, I would, that needs, this needs more than just this. Now I'm not trying to skirt it off, but in part I am because this isn't necessarily the place where we can hash all of that out, but I don't think that we should just fluff it off. I would say this, um, there are like Jace, Vicky, Gavin, myself, your RAs or friends that you trust, um, they're here. Mm-hmm. That, like, honestly, it is in those conversations that the work of figuring out, like, what do we do when things start in our mind? It's in those places that we can have that conversation where we can actually dive into the things that are so nuanced and personal to you. And so I don't mean to fluff it off and say, we don't, we don't want to talk about porn or masturbation because we do. We know that it's, a, it's important to talk about. Um, and so let's keep, t- let's, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about it in an, in, in a place that, that we can actually like hash it out. Now, what I would say too is for those of you who didn't text that question, but are still struggling with it and you're, we're looking for this to be the place for your questions to be answered, please let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Work it out. Right. But it needs more, t- more space and it needs that, um, it needs the place for vulnerability, for great conversation to be had, um, and further prayer to, um, together, right? So again, I don't want to fluff it off, um, but I want to give you more room and more space to have that conversation. Can I say this? Yeah. Being a youth pastor for over 10 years prior to coming here, a 45-minute conversation about this on a platform does not solve this issue. It doesn't. I've had students hear this sermon preached over this discussion talked about over and over and over and nothing ever gets solved from it. And so that's why we're saying it's it's not going to be answered on this platform. It's unable to be answered. The way that we find healing is what we talked about last week is with accountability is being proactive, not reactive. And so it's getting people like these leaders, Kim had mentioned friends in your life that you trust and being authentic about it and being open about it. And confession brings yeah, healing. 
in life. It brings healing in our lives. And we're called to confess. And as we find people that we trust and confess this to, there's healing that the Spirit works inside of us. And then there's proactive accountability, is my hope, that we figure out ways to to help each other, to to assist each other, to share with each other. This is where I struggle the most. So I'm going to be proactive in telling you, and I need your help to aid me along. Does that make sense? So this needs to continue from this point. We wanted to bring it up here so that it will be something you'll talk about with your colleagues and your friends and your roommates that you trust. But it can't be answered in just a conversation like this. Okay, so there's a couple rapid fire questions okay. that I want to throw at you yes. before we get to your last point, okay? Yeah. Okay, uh, here we go. Tips for a couple beginning a relationship. Have fun. Take mm. it slow. Yeah. Don't be weird. Ooh, I like it. Okay, tips and advice for breakups on campus. Great. Um, don't villainize the other person. What did you say? No, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't, don't say, say it. It's uh, it funny, uh, but don't. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. We're moving on. We're moving on. Okay. Tips for breaking up. Yeah. Some do's and don'ts and what should oh. happen after the fact. Do. Um, grieve it. Grieve it. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do for the friend. Let your friend grieve it. Yeah. Um, don't villainize the person. For the friend, don't go digging for dirt. Mm, great. And um, do like treat them, treat them well. Like sure, like sure, there might be hurt feelings in the mix, but do forgive and do like bless them. Like mm-hmm. okay, there's still a person. There's still a person. Yeah. Jesus loves you. I'm working on getting back to that spot, and that's okay. Okay, so. Um this is more just a comment, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but let's let's throw it out here. The yes. fact that it's okay if you don't meet someone at Summit. You can meet someone after Summit. How's it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can. It wasn't you, a question, but we wanted to highlight this. You can, and you probably will. <laughs> and you probably will. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, here's one. Uh, how do I walk past couples on the stairwell and not be awkward? <laughs> Okay, okay, wait, wait. That's only that's only the first part. There's a part B to it that I think is even funnier. Okay. <laughs> How do I walk past the couples on the show and not be awkward? Do I say hi or run? <laughs> wow. So so this is what I'd say. Um it, for those of you who are sitting on the steps, your peers have told you what they think yeah. about that. So yeah. don't sit on the steps. Those who are not laughing, you're guilty. Yeah. Just saying. Also, Just saying. That is probably the least comfy place to sit. Yeah. So like help your bum out and at least sit on a couch. <laughs> um and then say hi and run away. Um <laughs> And tell them that they're actually a fire hazard. Yes. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Like if, if the fire bell went, yeah. they'd be blocking your way they out of the be, building. Yes. So they're fire hazards. They're fire hazards. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. 
Okay, how do you navigate beginning a relationship at Summit where everyone sees you? Sorry, say that again. How do you navigate beginning a relationship at Summit where everyone sees you? Yeah. Have fun. Go slow. Yes. And what did I say the last time? Don't Don't be be weird. weird. And here's the thing, Kate. So I know that there's a lot of people in a small environment, but nobody cares enough about your relationship as much as you do. Hey, so, <laughs> so they might not be watching you as much as you think they are. I think the issue about this isn't navigating re- beginning of a relationship, but having to tell yourself not everybody is looking at you. Yeah. That's the bigger issue there. Yeah. Okay. How do you transition from dating at summit to dating in the normal world? That's funny because this world ain't normal. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I think the answer is found in last week's conversation where we thought we talked about going slow, right? Like just even like practically speaking, if you're like with each other every single day of every single moment, but you guys live in different provinces or you live in different cities, you're going to be never together for four months in the summer. So maybe build some space in your relationship um, when life is normal, like where that's sort of normal, right? Like where you're going to have to actually use a phone or you're going to have to wait to tell somebody about something that happened mm, last week, good. right? Like just build some space in your life. You don't have to be with each other all the time. You at least have to like give some you know, like live a little so that you can tell them what you did, right? Give them a story, but you need to actually do something apart from them to tell them it. Okay. And then one more, not regarding relationships, but one we wanted to talk about because it's great. What are tips for dealing with finances after graduation as well as going into marriage? Great question. That's a great question. Budget. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Rapid fire. Budget. Okay, so you're going to like, this is what's going to happen. If you get a job right away, you're going to want to feel like you need to like make your apartment awesome and perfect and soups cute. Okay, so that doesn't have to happen right away. Don't do that on a credit card. Mm -hmm. Okay, don't just just hang on. Just use get get used stuff. Like, honestly, like, that's you, that's gonna be one of the biggest things is that you're gonna try to use your money to, like, make this beautiful life for yourself. Well, one of the most beautiful things that you can gift yourself is the gift of being poor and have apartment and figure out how to, like, you know, get cheap groceries and have a used couch. So figure out how much you make. Budget accordingly, and if you have a hot clue how to budget, you ask your mom or your dad or an aunt or uncle or a grandma or grandpa who still, like, writes with checks, (laughs) and they'll help you budget. Or you can ask Mark. (laughs) Mark's going to have a sign-up sheet now. Yeah. You know what? There's one more person I want to say, rather than all going to Mark. Uh, Now, having, like, a financial advisor in your life would be great. Not everybody can always afford one. But do you know what? There are people at your bank that you can go to yes. and you can talk to. Uh, we have one. Her name's Brenda. Oh, okay. Brenda. Brenda's a lovely lady. Okay. And She's in, amazing. Yeah. No, Envision Financial. Envision Financial. But I'm sure your Brenda's fabulous uh, yes, too. Yeah. Yeah. That literally we can have a meeting with her and we can talk about our finances and our concerns and what we would like to see happen. And she gives us ideas and helps with budgeting and stuff like that. So, that's also free with your bank that you can go chat with them. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Kim, okay. Finish up. This is how, um, 
yeah, this is how I want to just finish. Um, I want to talk about latitude. So latitude, what I like, so with that, it gets to the question or to the verse that says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So the concept of latitude, the definition of that is a scope for freedom of action or thought. And so in the relationship that we have with Christ, um, we have this beautiful, like, that's our anchor of how we do relationships, right? How Jesus treats us is we are invited, nay, commanded to treat people the same way. That's the invitation slash command. And so we need to see what Jesus did in his relationships with us so that we know what to do. And what Jesus does is he gives us great, he gives us grace and latitude. Now he doesn't give us latitude for us to just go on sinning. We know that because Paul squashes that, right? He says, should we keep on sinning so that grace may abound? He says, of course not, right? That's silliness. So we, because he says that we're dead to sin. And so rather Jesus gives us latitude, not for us to just do whatever we want, just willy nilly, but for us to have the freedom that is found in him. And that freedom that is found in him is is found through forgiveness. And this is where I'd like to land, is our gift to each other that we can give, this gift of latitude is found in forgiveness. It's found in grace, right? Like we know, we know that in our relationships, we're going to be hurt because relationships are messy, because people don't get us fully. And we're in the process of discovering who we are and discovering the language that I speak and the language that you speak. And while we're in that process, we're bound to have some hurts and bumps along the way. Where we get, where we can uh, live out and exemplify Jesus is where we give latitude. We give space for people to be human. We give space for people to like actually mess up, maybe hurt our feelings but we have forgiveness for them, right? Like, and again, Jesus doesn't, um, Jesus doesn't like kick us to the curb once we hurt his feelings. He welcomes us back with loving arms again. And sometimes I think what we can do, and I'm guilty of this, is we, we create a standard for people and that Jesus never ever made for us. And we expect people to live to a, a particular standard, um, but we'd never get there. Where Jesus offers us grace and forgiveness on the daily, at least for me, um, and he gives us this latitude for us to learn and grow and for me to figure out what it is to do life with Jesus and do that well. That's one of the greatest gifts that we can give each other is to give each other some latitude to figure out that if we're trying to figure out have a, how to have a good friendship, that maybe, maybe Gavin won't fully know everything that I expect and maybe he'll hurt my feelings. But I need to give him the grace that says, okay, my friendship is worth it. I'm going to put in the effort and I'm going to, I'm going to be realistic about my situation and I'm going to give him grace. And I'm going to forgive him if he hurts my feelings. You've never hurt my feelings, by the way. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, 
Well, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> See, that's the wonderful thing. That's the incredible thing that we have too with friendship is when we can actually say to somebody, I forgive you, when we can mean it and we can actually have a continued friendship after that. The amount of latitude and the beautiful friendship that can come out of that, that is one of the greatest gifts that we have ever given. That is the greatest gift that we have ever been given is forgiveness then let's give that away, right? That's a real relationship right there is that we can actually give somebody forgiveness and then keep being their friend or boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife or whatever, coworker. Okay, so that's our reel for this evening. Um, I want to, I honestly, I want to thank you so much. Thank you for texting in your questions. Thank you for like diving in with us on this, like we're really actually quite blown away by, by your involvement and your investment through questions. I honestly didn't think you guys had texted in that much. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, my expectations were low for you. Yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> so I want to say thank you. I want to say to those of you, I want to say, um, it is so gutsy it's so gutsy to have real hard conversations about relationships. It's gutsy to say that I don't know the answer. It's gutsy to say that I'm going to try and probably fail. It's gutsy. It's bold. It's courageous. And the beautiful thing is that what Jesus, what we see in, uh, from who God is, and we see this in, in Joshua, where he says, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. That when we step into places of courage, even in relation, in, when we step in, a, in places of courage in relationships, that's where God is. God is there. And so what a beautiful reminder for us to be courageous. Step into the uncomfortable things have the tough questions. Struggle with the forgiveness, but keep working at it. That is courageous. And you have shown us an, that you're such bold people. You're courageous people. You are willing to go there. So keep going there because that's how we mature and that's how we build each other up and that's how we grow stronger as a body of Christ. It's being real and authentic and courageous and scared and doing it anyways. Okay, can I pray for you? Okay. Yas. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for how you are you are an always a active participant in our relationship. That you constantly pursue us that you constantly give yourself um, to us. You are constantly forgiving, extending grace. You are constantly showing us how to do it better. You constantly call our name. You constantly see the potential that is in us, and you call us upwards to live into the potential that we have and what it means to be a daughter and a son of God. Thank you. Thank you that you do not let us sit in who, um, in just our, our sinful self, but you call us upwards to who you've created us to be and to step into that potential. 
Jesus, I pray that as we are, you know, trying to be gutsy people for you, as we're trying to be bold and courageous to do relationships well, and while sometimes we are not awesome at it, we're growing and we're trying and we need your spirit. And the beautiful thing is that you always, you always are with us in it. Holy Spirit, you lead us and you guide us. Help us not to relegate you, Holy Spirit, to places like chapels or church or things that we would call ministry, but that we would welcome you in the very messy things of relationships. That we would invite you, Holy Spirit, invite your wisdom so that we can try to do it better. That we would do it in a way that is honoring you, that we would do relationships in a way that would honor the other person and that we would do relationships in a way that would honor ourselves. Lord, I pray for those, um, for each, like for those who are dating, for those who are married, for those who are friends, where there is perhaps some miscommunication or lack of communicate, communication or inauthenticity, Jesus, help us to communicate. Help us to do friendships well so that we can hear each other. We can be curious with each other and curious about who this person is that you've created. And help us to honor them, to build them up, encourage them. Lord, it's so beautiful that you have established a way of being that is not of loneliness that is not of isolation. And it's not for us to just figure out by ourselves, but it is in relationship with you and relationship with each other. So God, you created this beautiful, wonderful, messy thing called relationships. And so we ask you, lead us, guide us in them. Help us to do them well. Thank you so much for these Wonderful people, beautiful people, these courageous people. Strengthen them, Lord. It's so good, Lord, to be your child. We love you. Amen.